Hello, good morning, and welcome. It's Friday, the 5th of June, 2020, and we're back with episode 154. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Yeah, so again, I'm sorry for missing the last couple of days. Uh, I have been absolutely beyond swamped. In fact, for all the fellow attorneys out there, uh, you might have caught my MCLE course on autonomous vehicles law that I presented with one of our advisors over at Hogan Co. And one of my dear friends from law school days, Puria Paknajad, uh, we did an MCLE course with the Beverly Hills Bar Association, which was pretty awesome if I do say so myself. So perhaps you tuned into that. But in any event, um, look, there is obviously a lot to talk about because my goodness, so many things going on suddenly, of course, during the week or two that I've not been able to keep up, which I do think is pretty much the only time in two years that I've managed to fall in behind, excluding, of course, various breaks like summer holiday or, or, uh, the winter holidays and new years. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so much to discuss. For instance, the, you know, the upcoming imminent or at least seemingly imminent acquisition of Zooks by Amazon. Uh, this obviously a really huge thing I can't wait to dive into and discuss. But uh, funny enough, what I'd really like to discuss, and this is a bit different to a usual episode, so bear with me. I want to have a bit of a chat about a new series on Amazon Prime called Upload. And no, I'm not getting any sort of sponsorship or anything from Amazon or the producers. Well, I guess Amazon are the producers of Upload. But no, I'm not getting any sort of sponsorship for this. I actually legitimately want to talk about this because um, the the I, I learned about this show in preparation for the MCLE course that I did with the Beverly Hills Bar Association yesterday. It was a thing that was uh, suggested I look into. And frankly, I had never heard of it before. And, um, well, I gave it a watch and I say it, meaning I managed to get through the first half of the first episode. And funny as it sounds, I kind of want to talk about this and only this. Here's why. So let me just get this out there. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is decidedly not a good show. It's ridiculous. And I don't just mean ridiculous in terms of how it's acted and... If I'm honest, even the special effects are pretty low budget. Um, but it's ridiculous, frankly, in the in the overall premise. No, the reason I want to talk about it is because those opening 15 minutes, which take place in a in a in a Los Angeles of the year 2033, if I'm not mistaken, well, it showcases a pretty good idea of an autonomous future, albeit one on a drastically accelerated timeline. So for instance, if this were rather than 2033, uh, it, you know, suppose it were, I don't know, 20, let's say 2060s, I suppose, 2050s, 
then I could have got behind it more in terms of the timing. But suffice to say, if you disregard the time frame, yeah, it actually did a remarkably good job of demonstrating life, um, you know, everyday life with autonomous pod car things, which in this case tended to look like sort of round ovoid things, which, um, and in any event, the, the reason I want to talk about it though, is because there's a few things, right? So, um, first it is a pretty good representation. Second of all, it's a pretty neat depiction of, uh, the distinction as between level four and level five cars. And I suppose strictly speaking, because these particular autonomous pod cars had, uh, a manual driving override, albeit a somewhat funny one, I'm pretty sure the prop used in the film is a, is a modified PS4 controller, a gamepad. Um, you know, so b- because they had some sort of a manual override at all, they must therefore by definition be level four, because again, level five don't have any driver inputs whatsoever. Although strictly speaking, the definition is an absence of steering wheel and pedals. And well, a gamepad is decidedly not steering wheel or pedals. So I suppose you could call it a level five vehicle, but um, anyway, that's, that's not really the point. Here's the point. In, in the opening 15 minutes, um, well, the main character, uh, his autonomous car collides into the back of a truck and then he dies and goes to virtual heaven. And that is pretty much the point at which I tuned out. And so the question was raised, obviously, with respect to the risks inherent, uh, with, you know, this notion that autonomous cars could obviously, uh, be hacked one day. And of course, it's a question that attorneys are always asking each other because of course, uh, you know, and so who's, who's liable and kind of this, that, the other. And obviously my throwaway answer for this is always, well, gosh, I don't know, you know, who's liable when somebody hijacks any car? What happens when any disaster occurs in any car? Like it shouldn't really be that different. And obviously if it's a truly level five car, then obviously the, the owner can't be, or I should say the operator or for that matter, the passenger can't be liable because they're just, they're just effectively along for the ride. Right. Um, but no, what really struck me though was, in a sort of blink and you'll miss it moment, there was a conversation as between the main character and uh, his girlfriend. They're riding along in the pod car and she said something to him that, that, that I, I actually did miss it the first time and I had to rewind it and listen to it again. And I don't think I'm quoting it exactly right, but she basically says to him something to the effect of you, you prioritize heads over trucks or something like that. And, and really what she was saying was effectively, um, so, so you've basically programmed, you, you've told your autonomous car that you want to, in an emergency situation, prioritize pedestrians over say another car, or maybe it was the reverse or whatever. That's not the point. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What is the point is that there's a, so, so we're given this reality where people have autonomous cars and the producers of the show, the writers of the show have very cleverly not only embraced the trolley paradox, which as you know, I've tried very, very hard to forget and just throw away altogether, or at least as I've said, 
lock it in a philosophy 101 classroom and throw away the key sort of a thing. Um, they, they've effectively kind of embraced that trolley paradox and given a very clever, uh, I guess, answer or proposed solution for how best to deal with it. Namely, that the occupant of the vehicle can, can, like, can, can tell the vehicle what to prioritize. So, for example, again, in the trolley paradox, right, the question is, should the vehicle hit grandma crossing the street or a little kid or go flying off the bridge and avoid hitting both grandma and little kid, right? And so the notion in this, in this show is that as the occupant, owner, operator, whatever you want to call it, of this autonomous vehicle, you can, well, for lack of a better word, you can preemptively tell the vehicle what you want it to do if it ever encounters that sort of a situation so that the vehicle is effectively operating in accordance with your own, I guess, your own ethics, your own personal feelings, your own beliefs. And so, yeah, it's a pretty clever way to just kind of skirt the whole trolley paradox dilemma thing altogether. Or at least that's what it seems like. Except that it isn't. And in fact, once I kind of wrapped my head around this and I kind of prepared the 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 MCLE course that we did yesterday, it actually hit me while doing the course, like in real time, as I was doing it, I was just sort of having a stream of consciousness discussion about this, which is precisely what inspired me to talk about it here now with all of you. I I it suddenly hit me, and frankly, it really startled me, really scared me, actually, and I should say kind of horrified me when I realized this is a terrible, no good, awful miserable solution. It is, in fact, a non-solution to the, uh, to the trolley paradox because it is effectively first-degree murder. Funny enough, I didn't even realize that yesterday during, during our MCLE course with the Beverly Hills Bar Association. On the contrary, what I did was I said it's impossible to reconcile this notion of uh, preemptively programming your autonomous car what to do in a certain type of situation like that, you know, whom to hit, grandma or a little kid. And I said it was simply something that you could not reconcile with the so-called emergency doctrine, right? And so if you remember, we've talked about this quite a bit in the past, and certainly if you're an attorney, you'll remember that the emergency doctrine says, you know, um, it's effectively an affirmative defense for what would otherwise be a negligent act. So it kind of asks the question, you know, here's what you've done. You've, you've, you've driven up the side of the sidewalk and you've, you've hit, you've, you've hit a pedestrian on the sidewalk. Um, you know, ordinarily that's a negligent act and, you know, maybe you're, say, guilty of manslaughter, for instance, or, or I should say liable for manslaughter. And then it's an affirmative defense, though, to say that no, uh, or rather, yes, that is what I've done, but it was in an emergency situation. I reacted, I panicked, and this is what I did. And so the question becomes, Okay, well, your panic reaction, was this reasonable? Meaning, is this what a reasonable person in your situation would have done? And, and, and that's the way in which we determine, you know, was it in fact negligence or not? And the point is, if a reasonable person would have done this in that situation, the same as you did, then no, it's not really, well, reasonable to say that it was negligent, right? You with me? So, all right, so that's, that's kind of the idea with the emergency doctrine. And so, so for me, I didn't even get to the, to the point of realizing it was effectively first-degree murder, which is like 
you know, planning to intentionally kill another human, right? I, I simply said that that if you're effectively, you know, kind of preemptively programming a vehicle, this is this is whom I want the car to strike in this scenario. That is by definition precisely not acting in the spur of the moment. This is precisely not a thing, a scenario for which the emergency doctrine was 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 conceived, right? Because the whole premise of the emergency doctrine is precisely that you cannot think about the outcome of your actions at the moment that you do it. Rather, it is a spontaneous thing. It's a spontaneous act. You do not have time to consciously think about it. And that's what makes it so special. That's what makes it so unique. And so the very act of planning in advance and deciding in advance what you're going to do in that situation is logically practically or otherwise completely at odds with the very essence of what the emergency doctrine is about. But yeah, beyond that, once again, it turns out that, yeah, um, this would effectively be tantamount to first-degree murder. End of story. That's the end of it. There There is nothing more to say about this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so I guess to bring this kind of full circle, um, I think it was a really clever, clever thing to throw into that, into that episode's, you know, sort of solution or proposed solution for the trolley paradox, or let's be honest, not really a solution, but a way to kind of work around it. But the fact is that simply will not and cannot fly any more than it we've discussed in the past. It cannot fly that, you know, manufacturers should be able to program the ethics and morality into their, into their vehicles to decide that, uh, you know, also preemptively. You just can't, again, the, the point is you cannot preemptively decide an emergency situation full stop. Also, it's the case that you can't program ethics, and we've, you know, we've discussed this ad nauseum in the past. So, but I, I guess it's 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 a kind of fun thought experiment then to run a bit further with this, right? So if we're agreeing that a manufacturer cannot program ethics in the car, and if we agree that, you, the owner, operator, occupant, passenger, whatever you want to call it, can also not preemptively tell the car what to prioritize. Then the question becomes, yeah, what is a you know what what is the what is the best solution? Now, in the past, I've said and I continue to maintain that this is just too much of a corner case to really stress over. Because again, when, when was the last time you ever had to make this decision as a human driver, right? But I, I guess since we're on this discussion again, I might as well run with the idea. And I think there is another way to think about this, right? And I am decidedly not an expert on AI. But from what little I've studied and read and what I know, you know, when you think about the concept of artificial general intelligence, and when I think back to a podcast I did, I don't know, a year and a half ago with another law firm, uh, the Tucker the Tucker Ellis law firm, um, 
on their podcast called Driverless, which, by the way, fantastic podcast. Um, you know, we had a discussion. <clears throat> the episode was titled "The Autonomous," or no, it was called the uh, "The Reasonably Prudent AI." And again, it was kind of a twist on this notion of the reasonably prudent person, the RPP standard that we've just been discussing here a bit, right? And and we didn't really quite connect all the dots to get to the point that I'm about to discuss right now, but just thinking out loud here, it seems to me that the end game for, for true artificial general intelligence must be so sophisticated, not that we're able to sufficiently program some sort of AI that it tends to behave rationally as a reasonably prudent AI, but rather that it that the, that the artificial general intelligence itself is sufficiently sophisticated that it will on its own make the best decisions in an emergency situation just like a human. So truly, actually, we would have the notion of a reasonably prudent AI. And and I mentioned this yesterday during during the MCLE event. And, you know, unfortunately, it was just a webinar uh, event, obviously, due to COVID. Um, and although there were typed questions, it was certainly hard to engage in back and forth discussion. So I didn't get to. But just running with what I was discussing yesterday, um, it seems to me that that, that that is the logical endgame. Because if we agree that we want to tackle this corner case at all, rather than just put it to rest. And if we agree that manufacturers can't program ethics into a vehicle, and if we agree that operators cannot preemptively determine what to prioritize, then it must be the case that we leave it to the AI itself on its own accord, based on what it's learned in the culture in which it's developed and indeed, well, evolved and operated right? And that it should act in accordance with what's, well, reasonable. Um, I mean, just drawing a bit more from science fiction. I mean, if you look at some of science fiction's most famous AI, take, for instance, Commander Data from Star Trek. I mean, we effectively hold him to the same standards as, as ordinary flesh and blood humans. And 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 so if that if if that sort of AI is considered the end game, and we presume that that's the sort of AI that we hope eventually to, you know, that that sophistication of AI is what we expect eventually to be able to smartly operate our vehicles without even getting into a question with respect to consciousness, unless of course it turns out that consciousness is some sort of prerequisite to having that sort of reasonableness. A truly sufficiently sophisticated AI-powered autonomous car will have to be conscious as a matter of course, in which case everything goes out the window and we're going to have to accept the fact that we're going to be basically living with true artificial actual life forms, then, yeah, then, then, then I don't even know where I'm going with this, but, but that's kind of, yeah, this just, <laughs> this just suddenly, this just kind of went out the window. I don't even know where I'm going with this anymore, but yeah, this is kind of beyond the scope of what I even know how to, you know, I don't even know what to say here. Um, yeah, gosh, I would love to get 
to get Lex on this show. Lex Fridman. If anybody has an introduction to Lex, please make the intro. Lex, I've actually I've actually shot the guy uh, a couple emails, I guess, over the last couple of years, and I think I tried to reach out on LinkedIn. But man, this would be fantastic stuff to discuss. Um, anyway. That's all I've got to say about this. Curious to hear your thoughts. Look, I promise I will do my very, very best to get back to a regular twice-weekly schedule uh, next week, uh, starting on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Yeah, Tuesday the 9th, everything should go according to plan. But uh, anyway, look, until then, sorry again for missing so many episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you back here next week. Take care. Bye-bye.